1: Hi, it's Jeanette here. If you're enjoying Brave Bold Brilliant, I'd love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends and leave a five star review. Let's do it, here's the show. Well, welcome to the Brave Bold Brilliant podcast. I'm your host Jeanette Linfoot and I am here today with a very inspiring lady. She has been in the media a lot, in particular over the last 12 to 18 months, but has been in the travel industry for a very long time. It is Julia Lobusaid, who's the CEO of Advantage Travel Partnership. Welcome, Julia.
0: Hello, Jeanette. How are you?
1: (laughs) I'm good, thank you. Nice to actually see you. Even though it's on screen, it's still nice to see you. It feels like it's been a while. It has. It's been a long time, hasn't it? Oh, gosh. I, yeah, I was trying to think, actually. I think the last time we met was probably at the Institute of Directors, face-to-face. Man, God, that was quite a while was when we first oh. met, I think. God, <laughs> we go back, we go back, that's for sure. So, um, so Julia, we're going to have a really interesting chat about, you know, kind of your career to date, what's happening in the industry that both you and I love and have spent a lot of time in, um, but also sort of you as a businesswoman and as a, as a, as a mum, and you know everything that's going on in your wider life as well, so Julie, do you want to just kick off talking about your journey kind of where life started for
0: you, how you've got to where you are today. Yeah, love to, um, Jeanette, so um, well, as you quite rightly say, I've been in the industry an awful long time and. Um, you know I, I started off many, many years ago, um, like maybe many of us, want, knowing that I'd always wanted to work in travel but not quite sure what, and I'd and gone through, you know I did co- travel and tourism at college. Um, I, I worked for WH Smith Travel when they did have their own retail estate, um, soon after bought by AT Mays and then Thomas Cook, so I, I was there for a good number of years, um, and then went to work for Greece and Cypriana holidays, so if, I'm sure, because you've been in travel, I know as long as me probably, that you'll you'll remember them, but they were the largest tour operator in, in their days um, to Greece and Cyprus, and, and from there did tour did more tour operating after that, and and soon after, I was introduced to Advantage by um, um, an old boss at the time, Tom Canopic, who, who I used to work with, and uh, introduced me to Advantage. And that is now 26 years later, which I cannot believe when I say that out loud. Um, but I but I joined in the commercial area, responsible for working alongside the team there, um, responsible for negotiations for, for our members, you know, with all the tour operators, uh, making sure we had the, the best commercial activity and the best commercial deals enable our members to to really leverage their leverage um the, you know the benefit of being part of a group um the organization's clearly grown over over those years and my role and I've, I've kind of gone through the all the different roles probably available at the time and I've, I've worked my way up and um was promoted to ceo um about five years ago now so in that and this this role you know for me today really is it's obviously a group role advantage is very diverse a lot of people know one small bit about Advantage, and that's the consortia, but we are global business travel, we own an offshore insurance um, underwriting agency in Guernsey, and we're we're a financial services broker as well. Um, And we have our own really successful accommodation programme in business travel. So we're a really diverse business. And to be honest, I think that's probably one of the great things that's kept me there for so long, because it is diverse, you're able to get involved in lots of different things. And honestly, every day is a learning because you're you're in different markets, there are different networks for every part of the business, um, different people you're engaging with, um, you've got to go in with a different hat on every time and it's great, I love it, it you know, it's, it's a really inspiring company um, to work with and great people.
1: Well, amazing. You know, and actually, even as you were talking then, Julia, quite a bit of that, I didn't know. And, you know, I've been in the industry a long time here, pretty much the same sort of time as you. So, yeah, I'm learning something as well. Gosh, that's fantastic. And, and you know, when you stepped up to become CEO, um, Julia, that was obviously, you know, you'd had, you'd had a huge amount of experience under your belt. But nonetheless, it is still very different, isn't it, when you step up to, to that, that senior, lead, the most senior leadership position. How, how did you transition?
0: I think it's a really good question, and before I was CEO, I was MD, and I think prior to that, I and, and even as MD, you're, you're still quite operational, and I think the really big challenge I found initially was when you're in an operational role, to so all of a sudden, when you've got to take a bit more of a Kind of helicopter view it's so difficult not to kind of get your hands dirty all the time and also in a small business I mean, at the time and we are smaller now we're a smaller leaner organization since um since uh, the pandemic um started kind of a couple of years back but we um you know we are a leaner organization and and therefore it's really difficult not to always get into the weeds and and that was really difficult and it i think it it was just a re- it's almost like a mental struggle you couldn't quite work you wanted to get involved but you knew you shouldn't really but you can't help yourself and and actually then you suddenly realize it all clicks and suddenly you realize actually that's why that's the benefit of me taking that helicopter view um but ultimately maybe we you know one of the things that i really really work really hard on and and and, you know is, is really important to me is is the team because a lot of what we've achieved as an organization would never have been possible if it wasn't for the great team and actually I could never have stepped up really to fulfill the role that the board need me to fulfill if it wasn't for the great people and the great team I've got.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I mean, you're right. The industry is very much a people, relationship, industry anyway. Uh, But on top of that, in particular, you know, with with Advantage, I think you've you know, you've got so many stakeholders involved internally, externally. You're absolutely right. Having a great team. You know, how can you if you don't have that, you can't delegate effectively, can you? You know, for sure.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And and the same as the role of a CEO is, is really to ensure that you've got the strategic vision that you've got. That's what you're thinking about your You're not day to day, but actually it is forward thinking and you cannot do that um, without the right people, the right structure um, beneath you. It it makes it really impossible. So I think the big thing for me, certainly over the last few years to enable me to do the role that I really need to be doing um, is the focus on making sure I've got the right people in the business. That's that's really important.
1: Yeah yeah absolutely and let's talk about being a woman in business because clearly um, we are both women um, and we're both passionate advocates for diversity inclusion of all of all um, manners not just gender uh, diversity. Has that ever sort of been an issue for you in your career Julia or have you just kind of cracked on done a great job and never felt anything you know in relation to sort of like the gender issues that some people some women face? Um, I have to
0: be honest, I've, I've always just kind of cracked on. Um, I'm not sure that I've done, and I'm, I'm sure over the years, there have been little things that I think, yeah, okay, well, you probably wouldn't have said that if I was if I was a, of a man, you know, they, those little things just crop up. Um, but actually, you know, I, I think we have to educate each other and we have to educate and call it out. We have to call it out in a way to to make sure that people understand whether, you know, whether they're being sexist, racist, whatever it is, you know, we do have to call it out. It's really important because, and also, I think if there are, you know, for a lot of people, they, they, and it's not condoning it, but they, they've grown up in an environment in a world where it was normalised, you know. And actually, what we have to do is make sure that it's, it's not, and people completely understand it. So, so I've cracked on. I think there are times where, um, I think you know, as as women generally, you know, we we've had to make sure that we are confident and we remain confident. We generally um, are pretty. We generally don't have an ego, so we're generally quite humble, and I think and that holds us back sometimes. So, I, I remember a speaker, and I, I was as I'm talking to you, I'm struggling to remember who it was, but I was at an event one time, and they were talking about, um, you know, looking at their diary and how they manage their diary, and they have their, you know, their personal diary, their family diary, and their work diary, and actually sometimes they conflict, and I think again as you know, as women, whether we're wives, mothers, or whatever we are, or, or partners, you know, we we put so much pressure on ourselves to be this perfect I am, um, and it's just not possible. And I think that's something I've really learned. You can't be this perfect I am. You, you're 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 just who you are, and actually, there is no such thing as perfection. Firstly, um, and also, it's just got to be right for you. Um, and I think I think that is accepting that if you're going to be a woman at senior level in our sector, or whatever sector it's realizing i mean it's this notion that you can have it all for me it's just a load load of nonsense you can't have it all you can't um because something somewhere down the line has to give you make sacrifices at the right point in your life but something gives something has to give um because you can't keep juggling every single ball so so i think and that's i think you know as we're talking to young women coming into into the workforce i think we have to be careful in the environment that we're now working in a, in a more modernized environment in a working from home environment that all of a sudden what we're wishing for is starting to, to take us back a few steps because you know we're at home we're working from home um, and you, you're never feeling this you you're never feeling this confidence when you're out meeting people so I think we just have to be cognizant of that as well.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely spot on, and I load a couple of points that you I, that you said there. I just want to kind of pick up on it a bit more. I think there's there's something around the uh, comparing ourselves to other people um, that can be really dangerous, can't it? And actually, you know, I think if you can be get to a place where you're comfortable in your own shoes, and yes, you know, you're going to have your, even if you're going to your your eyes open to what's going on in the industry and what have you, but I think it's quite dangerous when you when we compare ourselves to other people because the reality is what's out there, you know, outwardly may be very different behind the scenes you know and we all have our struggles and our failures and our successes and and actually sometimes where it's very easy to judge isn't it based on you know what you just see uh, and in particular with social media I think that can be quite dangerous too you know that that sort of image of perfection when in reality yeah, as you say doesn't exist
0: <laughs> yeah. it's, isn't it? because in a way you know social media is brilliant isn't it because it brings us close to to you know not only our peers but you know people that inspire us business leaders that inspire us and we can engage with them and we can we can almost touch them and feel them and be really close to them and learn from them but yeah you're right I think but it, it also can you know it, it can bring out um you know a darker side which actually you start comparing yourself and think actually you know there there is no way you know imposter syndrome there is absolutely no way that I can be as good as that or I'm as good as I should be you know, and, and, and actually all those doubts start to seep through as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So talking about that, you know, in terms of sort of believing in yourself, being confident, building, you know, that that credibility and, and to be able to to be true to yourself um, in terms of your own values and being a female, you know, leader. Um, how do you how do you work on your mindset, Julia? Because I know you know people listening to you and hearing your successes lost. Oh my God, it's all right for Julia. She's got it all covered, doesn't she? You know, she's perfect. But that mindset piece, that self
0: belief. Um, how how have you worked on that over the years? God, I. I think, like everyone else, I mean, I, I've had some real highs, but those highs end up being real lows. And I think, especially when you're, you know, particular managing a business through a crisis, I've never experienced such talk and cheese. I really haven't. Where one minute, um, you know, you're you're you know if you you know made made a decision you're you're struggling you know you're having to put something together which is you know ever so complicated it's you know whether it's about people the financial aspect whatever it is and um and it's really tough that you get through that and then the next minute and there's so much going on you know there's so much going on it's busy it's busy and you your mind is occupied and then all of a sudden there's a bit of a lull and actually it it brings you down i think when mm-hmm. you're used to working at that pace at that pace all of a sudden that's what brings me down actually when I can be really good, really motivated when I've got lots of things that I'm working on. When I have a moment to think, actually, I feel really, de- it de- demotivates me. So I think for me, I've, I've just, I've had to keep really focused. Um, and that's what I've had to do. So even in those days where there's been lots of things that we're working on, um, and, and it's it's making sure that the next day I've got, I'm really clear on what my focuses are. Um, and when I'm not, I'm not great. I'm really not great. So, and you know that that's really difficult to control sometimes. So I do think so. I will go out for a walk. I make lots of phone calls. I speak to a lot of colleagues. I I share lots of things with my network. So I've got a great network that I can pick. I can pick the phone to, and I have no issue at all around um, saying to people, um, I don't look. I have no idea what to do here. What do you think? You know. And I think I think being honest to myself, I'm never going to have the answer to everything. I think I found that in myself making sure I've got a great network that I can pick that I can share things with, um, either when I'm feeling low or when I'm or when I just don't I don't can't see the wood for the trees.
1: Yeah, you know, you're so right, because your network is, the a saying, isn't it, your network is your net worth. And, and I think that's absolutely spot on because it's not always necessarily in terms of financially what that network can bring you back in terms of business contacts, et cetera. But it's, you know, it's also about that support, net, support network and, and actually being able to bounce ideas around. And you're absolutely spot on because as a business leader, it's a real strength to say I'm, I'm not an expert at everything. And actual fact, I'll just get really good people to do the stuff that I'm less good at. And that's smart. <laughs>
0: absolutely. I think it's really interesting. So I remember years and years ago, you know, there, there was this real, you know, you, you were a bit nervous about employing people that were really good. And, you know, I'd hear it with my peers and they'd be saying, oh, but, you know, I'd be a bit worried that they might want my job. And I'm going, and now I'm saying, I want to employ people who want my job. That's what I want. I don't, I want people who can help me fill those gaps. That I'm just no good at I know where my strengths are. I know what I'm not strong at. And actually, as I've got older, I think the things that I were really good at, I, I'm probably not as good at as I used to be. And I've got different skills now. And I think maybe that just comes with a bit of experience. But um, I want to absolutely have the, best possible team that are so much better at what i can do and and one of the things i've done this this kind of past 12 months is look at our how we operate in our offices and we we had a we own a building thankfully the company owns a building in old street um and we've just rented that we've got we've got a tenant in on a long-term lease and all i can think about apart from we're going to make a bit of money all i can think about is um actually now we can employ we're based in the southeast. We can employ people, the best talent from right across the UK. It doesn't yeah. matter where people live. Imagine that, imagine the ability to be able to bring the best people, no matter where they're located into the business. And for me, that gives advantage and hugely, puts us a huge leap forward. Um, but it's, it's a really basic principle, isn't it? That you can employ someone that doesn't work in the Southeast, but a couple of years ago, that probably wouldn't have been an option.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And we were chatting before we pressed record, weren't we, around how, you know, even though it's been a very tough period, in particular for the travel industry, obviously every industry has has had um, had its challenges through this period, but in particular for travel, but through all of those challenges, there is always opportunity. And that 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 example you've just given there is, is absolutely spot on. And, and actually, to think more creatively, but it's not just UK, you know, I mean, that goes even further, doesn't it? Overseas, you're employing people in, you know, base wherever in the world, really, because technology allows you to do that. And uh, it's it's a real win, I think, actually being able to create a more talented, broader work, workforce, really. Um, absolutely.
0: So, yeah, definitely, not. and I think you know from a from a strategically, it helps us to really realise our vision and make sure that we are you know where we've got some gaps, we can fill those with talent, um, and also succession planning. You know, kind of you know when we're doing our uh, when we're looking at across the business, where are where are those gaps that we currently have? How can we fill those? Um, I think it, it's just location is just not a barrier. I think that's for me now. It's not a barrier, and therefore um, it really enables the business to grow in a really competitive manner.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, you were talking earlier, Julia, around how when you your younger self, um, probably being a little bit more, less, less um open to sort of admitting that you don't know everything and all of those kind of thing. I mean, that's often our ego, isn't it? Talking to us, you know, our own little insecurities, our little gremlins in our head. And and I think it partly comes with a bit of age um, and a bit of sort of, you know, you know yourself better, don't you, as you get older, you're more comfortable in your own shoes. Uh, which I think is a really valid point but you also said before that focus when I'm focused you perform at your best and you know it where you're heading so how do you get focused when there's a lot of uncertainty and and sometimes it is hard to see the wood for the trees how do do you manage it um I
0: I suppose I can only go with you know the, the biggest crisis that we've had to deal with was was pandemic and you know there was lots of different things coming at us which were completely out of our control and I think early on I'd, I'd really said to myself well look we we can only focus I can only focus and control the things that are controllable what I can't do is lose lots and lots more sleepless nights and things I can't control so for me the in the focus box it's those what are those controllable things that actually will make a difference that I can that I can um, that I can focus on and, and, and that I can work on, and what those things that actually have not—they're not in the too difficult box, but they're in a they're in a different part that says actually these we have to work on. So I mean, as you know, we've been involved a lot in the government lobbying and, and, and activity, um, working with you know with um, a government engagement. Well, I can't control that. I'm part of that, and I can you know be a very vocal part of that, but I can't control that. So that stays here. But all the bits that I can. It's where my focus is, where my energy is, and I. And I think the other thing that I, I probably didn't get this. I didn't get it straight away, but it's making sure I still had a clear view of what the end goal was, because I think you then all of a sudden get so used to just working day to day in the weeds because there's just, because you're in a crisis. Well no one's i you know i've never known any management book telling us that a crisis lasts for like 20 20 odd months you know it's normally a short period of time and it's normally a thing um so that's quite challenging so i think it's it's thinking about the controllables what are those things that you can actually make an impact in and what you can control and then what are those things that you can't control but you you have to keep an eye on you have to be part of but you have to keep an eye on but maybe not allow them to completely distract where you're trying to get to
1: yeah i love that actually now that's really really sound advice you know focus on the things you can control and, and try really not to get distracted and freaked out by the other stuff that's going on the noise it's a lot of noise oh huge amount yeah <laughs> and you know and let's
0: talk about the press side
1: of things a little bit julia because of course you know, it has been a very difficult period for the industry. You know, I mean, we've had we've had highs and lows, haven't we, for for years? Ash cloud, nine eleven. You know, I mean, you name it. You know, Gulf War. We've been through a lot over the years, anyway. But this is something different, much more sustained period of time. You know, global, genuinely global. Um, so 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 many more aspects to kind of dealing with the you know the the, the pandemic that we have done, and and I guess a part of that has been around sort of the press really as well. And the sort of, you know, what's put out there in terms of media can be sometimes a a little bit on the sensationalist side of things. Um, But you have played a really critical role and one which I, you know, I thank you. I thank you for, um, but also the industry, you know, you've done an absolutely stellar job at representing the industry and being the real sound logical voice um, amongst all of the the sensationalism um, so you know chapeau to you all credit to you you've done a fabulous job um, but but let's talk about how 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 that whole sort of I suppose voice of the sector came about how did you get approached obviously credibility and, and your reputation that's kind of helped there how did how did you get involved, and then how did it sort of evolve, really, Julia? Because it had you have played such a critical role, um, and I think it's useful for people to hear that.
0: Yeah, um, thank you, and um, I'm really humbled by that. That's you know I really am. It, it means a lot, and um, it's something like many of us have worked in the sector a long time before passionate about, and um, I think really right from the start, one of the things that we absolutely identified was we the, the need for communication and it started off initially kind of in internal communication both with our partners you know our members all our different stakeholders, making sure that you know that there was a void generally and we could sense this real kind of difficult period um and the needed we felt there needed to be um some really clear communication making sure that we could just add a bit of calmness and say initially internally to our members. Um, And that started off by doing kind of video messages, and it's so bizarre when I think back now, we've never done video messaging, it's really weird, and so we did that, and we were doing daily communication, so daily video calls to our, um, video messages to our members, you know, trying to, trying to distill all the information of the day, and making sure that communication was out, and, and slowly, slowly, as we started to do that, it kind of became a bit more external, and 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 again the other thing that we did not do is we we did not reduce our budget or our our um, communications um uh kind of activity we made sure that communications was absolutely integral to to managing ourselves through a crisis so we kept the communication going we kept our advisors in place and we worked with an external company called thin partners who were just incredible um and with and with the team we made sure that we had a plan, so we were meeting. We were having management crisis meetings every day with our external partners, um, and pulled together a plan on communication. And and actually, what what because we could talk with authority. I think that's the other thing. I think you know we're an expert in what we can talk in, and we can talk with authority about you know our part of the sector. um And you know, there that that became our focus. So we. Um, I'm even trying to think back at how it all kind of happened and it feels like so such a long time ago but but we started to get media requests um and before we knew it it was a regular kind of regular media media activity that we were obviously doing national tv primetime tv um print broadcast all, all of it so radio quite you know a lot of radio so um it all became naturally positive and I think the, you know what we were finding was because we could talk with authority and because we're not you know i'm not afraid to i'm really not afraid to 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 be asked difficult questions and all i can do is speak with honesty that's all i can do um and we we have no vested interests. i've got no vested interests. this is not about um, anything other than being a voice on behalf of our membership and the industry and that's it so i think that that hopefully that's kind of really helped um And you know I don't share personal opinions it's not about that it's about you know, keeping a business hat on um, and and trying to support you know support the members through that as well
1: yeah and and any any sort of big highlights that stand out, Julia, from that whole sort of media period because I mean it's still it's still very live, you know, but I guess it will naturally sort of start to hopefully calm down a little bit. but I mean, you've been on some some really you know on the BBC Radio five like you know they've been on some big programs, haven't you, but any kind of particular highlights that stand out for you during that time?
0: um god there's been so many i mean i think i think it was it's i've done you know obviously a lot of what i've done has been live you know live broadcasting um because of pandemic you know a lot of it hasn't been on location but i've done quite a few on location at gatwick airport manchester airport um for bbc breakfast and that and that's just yeah that's that's you know that's just a very different way of um, when you're used to interviewing on a screen that becomes very different and quite surreal um when you're when you're doing that live in a live you know, on on location. So I think they would be great. I think you know, doing them at the airports. You know, life of BBC Breakfast is, is been quite an experience and, and one that um um you know you learn you learn from and and you try to improve every you know every time you go on you try to improve as well. I think also when you're you're speaking to you know a lot of presenters that you've held in high esteem. Uh, reporters that you've known over the years you know bbc radio 4 is is the today program I, I love doing the today program and i suppose hadn't realized before i've done it quite a few times just just actually how prestigious it is to, to be on the program and you know being interviewed by nick robinson and 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 so forth it's yeah it feels, feels like quite an honor to be honest and i feel very privileged to be able to have done it and um hopefully supported and helped the industry through it
1: yeah oh you've done a stellar job absolutely you know astronomical you really have and and. Did the nerves kick in, Julia? Um, how how do you how do you use the nervous energy when you're about to go live on national TV? <laughs> I,
0: I I really don't get nervous, I really don't. It's kind of I get excited, I, w- I want it to go well. I spend a lot of time prepping, so anyone that, that thinks that you go on and that's it, it's often five minutes. Then my team will tell you honestly, the only way I can do it, and I talked about the team before is by making sure that I can devote the time um to be able to have done all my research. Sometimes you don't get enough notice, but I want to. I have to be on it the whole time because at any moment's notice, you know, you have to have clean hair all the time. That's one thing. It's not that looking good today, but normally, um, because you just never know. So, I think it's that preparation. You know, they always, everyone always talks about, you know, preparing for meeting. That you know, the the biggest part of your meeting is preparation. Is the key part of any meeting. It's no different. If you're about to go on live TV, you do not want to. Be caught out by not being able to speak with authority on a subject you, you need to know. Um, so preparation and but just devoting the time every single day in making sure you're you're over everything, all the changing rules, everything that's going on yeah no that's it isn't it because you know you're
1: probably like a swan you know elegantly you know across the water underneath the water kind of paddling quite hard to actually make sure that you're in the best shape possible whereas all people see is maybe the the couple of minute clip and that's it but the preparation behind the scenes massive I can imagine
0: absolutely and I think I think the other thing is also you know I suppose I'd I hadn't I it kind of this has all happened organically And what I completely underestimated is the toll it would take because this is you know, I, I know you've heard me on some of the morning programs, but, you know, when you're going on live radio at five o'clock in the morning, you know, and you're, you're having to get up at ridiculous hours anyhow, and you're having to check the news and you're having to check to make sure that you've not missed anything overnight. You know, I go to bed. The last thing I look at is and read is all the news Every you know, the news, the, the front pages, of the papers that are coming out the next morning. And so there's a huge amount of work late at night, early morning, right throughout the day to make sure you could you are you know you're fully invested in the subject you're talking about so I, I mean I think for anyone that you know if you are if you have that opportunity or you're about to go on it is invest in the time don't don't go on because actually the nerves come I think when you're not when you don't know your your area and whilst you don't know the questions that you're going to be asked if you know your subject and you're confident in your subject then that's that's really what's going to get you through it as well
1: yeah that's brilliant advice actually for anyone that that you know is going to be in the media but also just just in general business or presentations or anything that you're going into that's got that's quite a big deal I, I 100% agree you know what's to say here there fail to prepare prepare to fail right um Absolutely. And, and I think that that's spot on so has it gone to your head Julia
0: all this media coverage of course it has <laughs> 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 I'm not at all. I'm I I find it really bizarre I mean I do because I just do it and you forget you actually forget people are watching and when you know I, I mean the funniest thing for me was I, I was leaving the house one morning Saturday morning I just did bee- one of the for breakfast and and one of the gardeners went oh God, I had to ask him something won- not my gardener one of the gardeners turned around and said to him Because actually goes I think I've just seen you while I was having my cup of tea over my breakfast and it was just like the most bizarre comment so yeah, as I said, look, I'm really humble, and I do it because I passionately care. I'm not doing this for anything else, or for profile, or anything other than for advantage and um, for my members, but for the industry. That's the ultimate for me. That's that's why I do it. So no, and I think I think the minute it goes to your head, I think you kind of it's you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I couldn't ever imagine you actually. I just it was a cheeky question
0: <laughs> because I
1: could, just because I can. Um, but honestly, it's brilliant. And what do your what do your family say about kind of well not just the media stuff, but but you know, the fact that you, you know, you're so successful running advantage and you know everything that you've achieved in your career. What what do the
0: family say about you? Oh listen, I've got two grown-up boys. Well, I've got a 21-year-old and a 16-year-old, and um they they keep you grounded, that's all I can say. So they never watch any interviews they don't listen to me anymore they kind of roll their eyes when i say i'm going to be on again um i mean i think you know deep down i think they're, they're very proud and and to be honest they are so supportive because as i said before you cannot you can't do the job let alone the media side without having that because as you all know when you're running a business you are your time is just your time is taken up in the business and you know your your time with the family is 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 inevitably interrupted all the time so Um, you know, without their support, there is no way that I could, you know, that I could be doing what I do.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. And, And actually, I think that that's the thing, isn't it? Very often, you know our long-suffering partners and family family uh, members and friends. Actually, you know sometimes we we don't always give them the full credit that they deserve because behind every successful man or woman, there's there's normally a successful partner or family member or friend that's kind of there. You know, supporting you through through thick and thin. And uh, I think it's it's right that we uh, we give them a good shout out every now and then. Yeah. I think so
0: yeah and I th- but I think I think also we mustn't forget that you know we are still kind of people outside of work um and I and I'm sure we've all done that but you know I've, I've learned that lesson kind of you know really tough lessons where actually I've you know my kids are telling me my genuinely my kids are telling me off and they're angry because I'm on my phone all the time or I'm checking emails all the time you know there's a birthday party and I'm there working and, and actually it's really tough and I think you know there's the support and then there's us actually knowing when we have to recognize that as well and knowing when we're saying look we've just got enough is enough now we're going to have to you know in the, the day we're going to have to dedicate some time to them so um and actually if i'm not on my phone for an hour the world is really not going to get any worse so and i think i've learned that i've definitely learned that in these last it's taken me a long time to be honest but I've certainly this you know the last few months i've learned that even more so when um it's it's created a few conflicts at home it's it's time to say look You know, we've we've just got to know when enough is enough and and make sure that it's not overtaking every aspect of our life as well.
1: Yeah, you're spot on, Julia. So, right. It's a really good call out because, I mean, I think we've all been guilty of it. I know I have where, you know, my personal life has suffered relationships. You know, it's been all about the business, all about work, in particular, I think when you're in that corporate corporate world as well, you know, because it's you You can't control all of your diary um you know if you're if you've got your own business it's sometimes a little bit more flexible um different set of challenges again of course but yeah you're absolutely right sometimes you just have to say hang on a minute actually work is one thing career is one thing but my life yeah uh, is absolutely critical because we only have one we don't know how long it's going to be and the last thing we'd want to be doing is thinking oh actually you know, we're on our deathbed and we're going to say oh, I'm really glad I spent another hour on my emails or you're going to say actually I'm really glad I spent that hour sitting with my kids or you know doing whatever really? <laughs> right it's a, it's it's a very good call out for us all so um so julia i could chat to you all day actually but i know you're very busy so um, i can't keep you for too long we might have to do a follow-up one of course um but can i ask you a few questions before we before we go oh, Julia? great so if you think back over your illustrious career and you've already given us you've given us loads of advice for anyone listening or watching to this on youtube around um, advice that people can put into their business and their careers and their personal life, but when you think about advice that you've been given yourself, you've received, is there anything that stands out as particularly good or
0: or poignant for you um i th- I think the best piece of advice i had and, and you know it's been told to me many years ago, but also has come up quite a lot recently, is just don't be afraid to fail because I think it's really easy for us to think of a reason why we don't want to do something and most most of the time we don't want to do it because we think we can't and actually we talked about opportunities you could be missing out so many opportunities and I think um there's so many times where I've got close to thinking I can't do this but and and but knowing actually I can so I think never be afraid to fail because if you go in with that attitude then it I think it just it really strengthens you and gives you the confidence to, to, to move forward um, as opposed to going in thinking that you can't do something. Um, so don't be afraid to fail. And actually for me now, failure'm you know if I fail, I know I've tried. So the worst thing, the worst thing possible for me is knowing I failed without trying. and actually many years ago I wouldn't have thought about it that way around.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Was there there a pivotal moment or just an an evolution of your sort of thinking and experience that got got you to where you
0: are now then with that? Um, It's an evolution, but more so as time's gone on, particularly during kind of pandemic crisis, there are tougher decisions we've had to make. Um, And because so much of what I do now is public, it'd be really easy to make sure that I'm always, that everything we do is always going to work, everything we do. Um, But actually sometimes you've got to be a bit bold and sometimes you've got to say, do you know what, if it fails... If it doesn't work, so be it. I know I've tried. I know we've tried to do something, but it's not quite worked. So um, but yeah, it's probably more so it's really come to life for me over the last few months when we've had to make some really tough calls, continue to make tough calls as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, brilliant. No, I love that. that that's a fantastic piece of advice. And you're right, you know, actually, you know, failure's all learning. And arguably, if you're not failing, yeah, you say, you're not pushing out your comfort zone. You're, you're just accepting me, accepting
0: mediocrity. And, and who wants mediocre? Not me. I tell oh, what's really interesting, Janet. I think coming out of my comfort zone, I mean, it means something different depends on where you are in your life, isn't it? And I think for me now, you know, coming out of my comfort zone is so important back to that motivation to keeping me motivated. You know, I, I feel like I thrive on stepping out of my comfort zone knowing that I've tried something, knowing that I've, I've, you know, attempted to do everything to make something work. Um, but again, not being too worried about not, not, not making it happen because of different reasons.
1: Yeah, so. definitely, definitely. And I think the other thing is, you know, sometimes, as we said earlier, we're so worried about people judging us and what will people, I think some of the most damaging words are what will people say and what will people think actually sodom it doesn't matter um you know and and actually you know if you if you when you recognize that people will judge you anyway so you may as well be judged as something that's gonna you know take you forward progress you with your dreams you know whatever it may be and and so what if it, if it doesn't work out you've learned something along the way right
0: and I've, i think most people judge you because they're either conflicted they're jealous and they wish they thought about it themselves so I kind of say, well, go for it. You know, I think you just have to, you really have to go for it because somebody else will. I think that's the other thing. That's not an egotistical thing. Somebody else will and they'll they'll reap the benefits for it. And you'll be sitting there and, and I don't ever want to be kicking myself thinking, why did we not do that? Why did we not try that? We thought about it. Why did we not make it happen? Why did we not try? Um, and all those things I think are worse, make us feel worse than not, you know, failing. So back to actually just don't be afraid to fail. So Julia, can you think of
1: any sort of advice that you took that didn't go so well and you regretted taking it or advice that was so bad you ignored it and actually you were really glad that you did?
0: Um, not really. I, th- I think the only thing, n- nothing specific. I think the only thing is I-, I think, you know, when people give you advice, I think it's really important. Obviously, you know, we, we all need to take, we need- all need advice and it's really important to to make sure we've got people around us that we can go to um but i think it's really important we make our own decisions so one of the things that and I, I talked about networking before that i do you know i may not know the answer to something or i might have a day where i'm i've just got too many things i'm thinking of and i'll speak to a number of people i'll throw that in the pot and 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 really work through um my my own advice if you like or my own decision based on that so i think i think you know listening to people and taking other people's advice it may work for them Um, But no one actually has all the answers, and I think that's the other thing, so I think even if there is advice I've had in the past, um, so I can't think of specifics, but you know, I, I think now it's about listening, reflecting, but then making my own decisions based on that as well
1: yeah that's that's smart actually because like you say you know advice is it's it's feedback um but you can choose what you do with it whether you hit it or it whatever so yeah no that's brilliant um and so Julia before I ask my last question where
0: can people find you apart from all over the media of course (laughs) um I'm everywhere I'm on LinkedIn I'm on um Twitter jlo underscore side on Twitter on Facebook so um Um, i am on youtube i don't use that as much but yeah so i am all over social media if anybody wants to find me fantastic and what
1: about if someone was interested you know to to actually become part of advantage what's the best route for them to to pursue that with you guys
0: um best route they can say they can find me or any of the team um we are bringing on new partners all the time whether that's members or or um supplier partners and as i said we have a global network so we are represented across Different different nations. We've got six thousand offices worldwide across seventy odd countries. So uh, we are truly a global family. So really love to hear from anybody that would want to be part of our network. Um, Just yeah, say best thing is just to come through to me.
1: Yeah brilliant love it that's great and then there's uh, there's so much going on that it uh, be crazy for people not to uh, not to get on board with you guys for sure so um yeah wonderful so my last question Judy, if you'll indulge me so the podcast is called brave bold brilliant um
0: what does that mean to you oh god um i love that actually brave bold and beautiful um i think it i think it encompasses you know everything that we need to to be to be a really good leader and be a strong leader I think as we've talked about you know as as a female there are you know, we've got many insecurities about ourselves at times and, and I think we don't we don't want to naturally be um you know flamboyish and um egotistical and I'm not saying that is but I think what that then does is it it does hold us back sometimes so I think you know be being brave is so important I think and also in, in today's climate I think it 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 encompasses everything that a leader needs to be um um and doing that is I suppose the beautiful part for me is doing that with real sincerity because you know you might be a great leader but actually if you're not very nice about it and you're not sincere then we don't warm to that and I think I think nowadays we we need real sincerity in, in a leader um and, and and actually how we feel about things that has to come through and show how we feel about things I think that's really important in our language in our tone and how we present ourselves also so um yeah and I think look I think we have to be bold we have to be brave we have to be not be afraid to fail um you know set our sights really high. I mean I say, you know set our sights really high go for it just go for it because if you don't somebody else will somebody else will come along and take your spot
1: Brilliant. Oh, my God. Amazing piece of advice, as always. So what a perfect way to end the podcast, Julia. And I'll uh, oh, listen, thank you so much, because I know how super busy you are. And um, I'm really delighted that we got a chance to have a good old chat. And uh, we'll have to do a follow up. Definitely. I've enjoyed it. And hopefully next time in person. Yes, exactly. Over a glass of wine. That'll be even better. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Thank you so much, June.